Hello, yes. hello. Virginia, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Nice. All right, cool. Ladies and gents, welcome to MD Podcast. And I want to say thanks to everybody who's been supporting season one all the And by the time you guys hear this, this will be season six, episode uh, 16. Wow. And, you know, like, as an independent artist myself, I know how difficult it is to get yourself started in this business, in the music business, and to develop some momentum. And um, I feel like sometimes a lot of us independent artists, uh, we could use a lot of help in so many areas of our craft outside of writing and recording the music, you know. We can always use some help in branding, and, and we can always use our help and this next lady right here is definitely making some noise in the bay area uh, i've been doing my research i've been kind of reading up on you know um, <laughs> she has she's a publicist and she has her own firm the gardenia zuniga associates and she represents indie artists restaurants and she definitely organizes film festivals for supporting indie films and um based out of Redmond, California and a lot of the clients that she has is based out in Frisco and she also works for a, a company called Green Media as a publicist so Asian Jazz without further ado I got Gardenia Zuniga in the house what's up yo <laughs> hey thank you for having me I had to leave the little one upstairs to make sure that there's not that much noise on our conversation but it's an honor thank you uh, I won't take too much your time Gardenia thank you so much for doing this um, I like to ask all my guests, like, where were you born and raised? Funny. <laughs> so I was born here in Palo Alto, so I'm a Stanford baby. But I was raised in Mexico, in the border. So I grew up with 120 degrees outside almost all year long. And then once we were, like, I want to say my middle school years, like early teens, um, I got hit by a culture shock by moving to Fresno, California, um, which was very interesting, not, not to say the least. And then um, once I graduated, I decided to make the Bay Area my home once again. And I've been in San Francisco for about 10 years now. But you were also you spent some time in Fresno too, huh? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm very familiar with the crime in Fresno and the heat. Um, as far as like Fresno and just coming where you're from and just, you know, being raised, moving around, you think that, has that, does that have any influence on how you approach work ethic? Absolutely. I mean, a little background is um, when I was in high school, I was involved in the activities. So I was a DJ every day, rain or shine, during lunchtime my senior year. I organized prom, you know, like all the big events I did and it's funny how it's a full circle moment because now as an adult in my career I learned the discipline of what it is to work with you know with a crucial timeline and also with high demanding clients you know so it definitely molded me it definitely did nice now you graduate high school in your mind, what was your plan? Get out of Fresno. Yeah, I know definitely. My in my mind was like I I I am more than Fresno. Nothing wrong with my hometown, but um, everybody that works in entertainment, obviously, 
has to be outside of Fresno, perhaps the Bay Area or LA, considering the fact that I didn't like LA, I decided to come to San Francisco um, and I attended Academy of Art. I actually went there for film editing, which is the opposite of what I do now. But in the midst of, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do as a career, I was able to intern for great productions in Fresno where I landed my first commercial. I did an intern for an internship for CNN and Espanol. And, you know, I kind of got the experience of what it is to work in the industry. And I'm very grateful for those opportunities because now I can say that I learned something back in my hometown in Fresno too. It's not just field workers and heat, you know. Tell me about your experience on CNN Espanol. What did that teach you about media? Oh, it teach me that media is crucial. Right. I mean, even even perfect example today, I had to send out a press release to the news outlet because they reached out for something and my client wasn't getting back to me, you know, with a, you know, in a quick time frame. So I had to do a executive decision, you know, and it's the same with the news. You have to make executive decisions to tell the story, just like us as publicists to get the coverage. So I learned a lot about working under pressure. Um, and also I learned a lot about egos. There's a lot of egos in the industry, which we can touch base more on that when it comes to musical artists and big record labels. Now, in your coverage, um, from there, what kind of, what was your transition from media to a PR? Great question. So my transition was that um, I was going to, well, a little uh, backpedal. I went to Academy of Art for film editing and it was great, but I realized I didn't want to be behind the desk editing movies or projects. I wanted to be the source that got the coverage. And that's when I transferred to um, City College of San Francisco, which I'm very grateful for. And I studied journalism. And within journalism, I kind of directed myself into publicity when I did a Rock the Vote campaign event at the Ocean Campus in the Mission, which we were able to collect a lot of people's registrations, um, people that didn't even know they could vote you know, due to their immigration status. So just by creating that event and seeing the importance of a great PR marketing campaign and the success, I was thinking, well, I like this more. I can still be behind the scenes, but I'm more involved. And, you know, with that, it kind of flourished. And I started doing, um, you know, volunteering work for San Francisco Film Festival, Mill Valley, you know, just as a social media intern or as a photographer to the point that, I was getting callbacks from the film festivals asking me if I wanted to work. So, you know, it's, you know, embracing what I learned, but also the power of networking. That's a big key point when it comes to publicity. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Didn't you tell me off, off record too that, um, do you also spend some time in El Centro? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's, um, that's my, my second home. I mean, my, early childhood years were in El Centro and it's funny because Mexicali it's borderline Calexico and Mexicali which is like the border it's two hours on south of San Diego so we will live in El Centro California but on the weekends we'll be in Mexicali so I grew up with massive heat waves dry heat but there's nothing beautiful than embracing you know what we had there 
I love it. I love it. So now that you got a chance to do like media coverage for CNN and some photography, and you were doing on the film festivals, um, before we even get into your experience working with you know, musicians and with artists, what was that like working with indie films, um, organizing uh, film festivals, working with indie film projects? What did you learn from that experience? Great point. Um, well, what I learned is to be open-minded, you know. Um, the film festival circuit is very stressful, but it's very rewarding because you see the passion people create oh, on their films, but also you see the excitement of people going to the film festival for the first time and saying, I made this movie, you know. I'm not yeah. a filmmaker, so I can't speak on like that excitement, but just being able to share that moment with them as I'm walking them to the red carpet or to the press line or to the media, it's such a beautiful feeling. And definitely I learned that you need to be on your tippy toes, you know, yeah. when it comes to working film festivals. Um, I remember, for example, we had Usher back in 2017 or 18 at San Francisco International Film Festival. He was here representing a short film that he did, like an indie short film. And, you know, I had I had not even two minutes to ask the questions, get my picture. And then within time frame, you know, like onto the next person. And I remember that the camera person next to me, their camera wasn't working. And a lot of other reporters didn't want to share their equipment. And I told him, hey, if you want, you could record your content on my camera. And then I'll just, we'll share it, you know, we'll share the content, you know, I'll transfer it after the interview. And the look on his face was like, oh my God, you are not like, really? And I was like, yeah, I got you. So me being kind and doing that for him opened so many possibilities because I was able to be invited for the after party and other things and I actually didn't even know that he was part of Usher's PR team you know just me doing something out of kindness kind of like open the opportunity for more gigs and you know just embracing that the entertainment industry it is tough not everybody's nice but you just have to be kind to people Yes, Gardenia, can you hear me? Yeah, we are back, my friend. <laughs> All right, my, my apologies. All right, so we were talking about the importance of just being nice, treating others with kindness, just networking. And because of that, you kind of got hooked up with, um, with Usher's PR, just the importance of being generous, you know? Absolutely. I think, like, in Hollywood, a lot of people are very greedy, and that's a real fact that I've encountered. People are so greedy in Hollywood or in entertainment that... If they see someone fall, instead of like giving you a hand, they'll just like step over you. And one thing that I gotta say is from my humble roots in um, Fresno, um, I remember I learned a real big lesson on, on being humble at a young right. age, living there, you know, just always giving back, no questions asked. So for me, just giving back, not even asking this guy, oh, who are you here with? I was like, hey, you wanna use my equipment? Cause I saw the panic on his face. I didn't know he was the house photographer for Usher, keep in mind. So what I did changed him, like saved his job, but also like I got to party with Usher after and his team, you know? <laughs> so it kind of worked out. Um, and you know, my sister was so mad at me because she's a huge Usher fan. She's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, well, it pays off to be generous and kind, you know? 
but um, definitely in the industry, you have to be kind. Um, there's always competition. There's always someone that's better than you, that's skinnier than you, that looks better than you according to the beauty standards. But if you stick to your generosity and being humble and kind, trust me, you will go a long way. And that goes to anybody that wants to make it in the entertainment um, industry. Mm. You know, I was re- I was listening to your, um, your interview for in the press podcast, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I was one of the things that I thought is like for all those who are tuning in and the artists that are listening right now, what makes a good publicist? And what makes a good PR? And why do artists need this? I'm glad you asked, because to this day, people think that PR is getting um, free clothes from uh, Fashion Nova, which is not PR. You know, that's just free goodies. But um, what makes a good publicist is a publicist that protects your brand with integrity, um, but also represents your brand and speaks the language of your brand, you know? I, I have a variety of clients that I'm working with, you know, um, that I have to speak their language of their brand with everything I do. So it is important as a publicist to protect our brand. Say, for example, one of my clients was involved in a car accident where there's a fatality. I have to protect him. I do have to create a press release. I have to coach him on what to say to the media if needed, you know, just simple things like that. But also the importance of anybody, if you have a business, if you are a blogger, if you are a filmmaker or a photographer or even a DJ, it is important to have a publicist because the moment that you start getting a following, the moment that you start getting inquiries for for events, for appearances, you are a public figure. And if you don't know how to represent yourself, companies, businesses, media will take advantage of you. So by having a publicist, I will protect you to make sure that A, you get paid, you get compensated for your time. I always tell my clients, we are doing compensation only, no free gigs, you know? Free gigs, great, we got to do them, but people need to value you as an artist too, you know? So it's all about raising awareness of the client, getting them on podcast interviews, on publications, on gigs at venues they've never been able to get their foot in. You know, like perfect example, I announced like right before we did our interview, tomorrow's June, the pop rock band that I'm working with. Um, I've known these guys since 2000, I believe 19, they were under new management. They've been working with me now as their publicist for what? like five months they're going on a mini tour they just released the announcement they're performing for the um, sf bards bay area transit's 50th anniversary party next wednesday that's a big gig and it's great marketing but also i had to get on those calls with the marketing team like i do all the back end on ensuring they're well represented on any social media platform or press release which is crucial because that's how you collect the media so I literally was having dinner with my friends at home. I believe this was Monday night and my toddler and I got the call and I had to step out and as a publicist, I had to turn on my laptop and do my job. And then the next day during breakfast, I had to give my son his breakfast while I took a Zoom call to ensure that everything was finalized. So as a publicist, it doesn't matter what time it is unless, you know, like we're on vacation, which is never. 
um, it is our job that if we get the call like, hey, I have this for your client. Okay, give me five minutes. Let me get going. Let's make it happen. Mm, I love it. So you do got work ethic and um, you definitely care about your clients. That's, that's dope. Absolutely. Because um, they're, they're not just a number, you know, like I don't believe that, you know how they say, oh, people are just a number. I don't believe in that. I think that's an insult to any artist because I was an artist myself and it is hard to get representation, but I treat my artists like family. Like we have dinners at my, you know, my house. If there's another event that we have, hey, you want to come join? Do you want to come over or get coffee? Like I treat them like family. And that I think that's what's important that when you have a great PR team or great representation, it doesn't feel like a business, you know, consultation. It feels like your family or you're talking to your big cousin. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes a lot for an artist to trust somebody for their career. Um, we're Absolutely. definitely not, you know, we're just not going to give it up for someone to handle. We definitely got, like, we can trust somebody and we trust, we trust their judgment. And, um, you know, a lot of people talk, but we can back it up, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, which is true. It's a big fact. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, and, and I know that you work with restaurants, you work with indie films, you organize film festivals, but I want to stick to the to an indie artist right here. Um, for all those who are in Southern Cali or Northern Cali that's unsigned and doing this independent route, what are the most difficult things that you see independent artists are going through? Like top three things that independent artists are going through right now. That's difficult. Oh man, I got a few. So the top one that really grinds my gears, <laughs> that that's something that I always say, is when record labels tell me, oh, your artist doesn't have enough followers. Your artist is not big. They don't have, they're not verified. Or, oh, your artist doesn't have 20,000. Yeah, 20,000 followers. And I look at them and I let them know. They don't have 20, they don't have views or whatever. Exactly. But my thing is like, look at the shows they've done. They sell Mm -hmm. out shows in the community. And not only that, but I've come across record labels, which I'm not going to say names because I know the CEO with all due respect. But there's this Bay Area big record label and it bothers me because they always hit me up with like, oh, they don't got that many followers. And I will respond, well, you have X, Y, and Z with 20K followers and they get 50 likes. So <laughs> so what you got to say about that? You know, when my, my artist has their humble, organic 2,000 followers and get 200 likes, turn that around. What does that tell you? You know? So... I feel like it's it's all about branding. I just hate the fact that record labels are like, oh, you got to have the numbers. But it's not about the numbers. It should be about the engagement with the community, with the audience, you know? And I, I that's the hardest hurdle that we've been coming across. But then if we think about it, we always, my artists, nobody wants to get signed. After hearing that so many times, they're like, you know what? If they don't believe in us and you believe in us, then let's keep going the way we're going which is beautiful and you know i i mean i haven't announced it yet but i am working with jordan t he's the one of the biggest reggae artists um here you know in the nation he's from hawaii and no doubt no doubt yeah he's he's family like my you know he was at our house on his birthday like two weeks ago you know just eating chilling and talking you know pr strategies and he has a big following he has a tour and he's not verified and him who has the numbers who has the community the sold out shows 
record labels won't even acknowledge him why because he doesn't have this stupid little check mark and it's so annoying because it's like you really are asking artists to provide all those facts but what about in 1990 when we didn't have these platforms you took all these risks you believe in all these artists and now due to a social media status you don't want to give talented artists the chance and the time and day you know it's reversed, right? In the 90s, um, record labels, it's your job, motherfuckers, to, to help us create the buzz, you know? Exactly. To, 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 to market us, to build a following, to put us on the road, to put us on tour, to to um, to make sure we're out there shaking hands and build, building that cold following. Now, they want that thing to be done and they hop on. They want to make sure you're popping first on your own, right? Exactly, and that's, that's the biggest... I, I don't want to call record labels ignorant, but yeah, they are ignorant because if they look at the EPKs and I love doing press release, you know, electronic press releases for artists. Some of the artists I represent, they have sold out shows. They bring crowds to the shows. They've gone viral on TikTok, but because they don't have a big following and they don't got the stupid little blue check mark that these days doesn't mean shit. You know, anybody can buy a check mark from somebody that works on Meta to be honest with you. So to me, it's just like, it's just frustrating because they look at artists without those categories and like, oh, you're nothing. But there's so much talent in the Bay Area and they're so undervalued by all these big record labels because they don't have those qualifications, you know? And that's why a lot of my artists have decided, hey, we want to continue being independent because with independence, our audience believes us more than if we were signed and that's one thing that we've noticed too that the fan base the audience if you're signed by record label you don't have the freedom as an artist anymore to do as you want and as you say the record label owns you so us seeing perfect example doja cat one of my clients she's a big pop artist she's polynesian half samoan half black you know her idol is you know doja cat and I've been following Doja for like five years. And I love when she was an independent artist. Now that she's signed with a record label, she's always doing things to get out of her contract. She's always bashing the record label. So it's just, it's just become like, she's become like the ungrateful artist. You know what I mean? And my thing is this, I don't ever want my artists to be signed with a record label and feel like they're undervalued and they're just a number because they're people, they're talented fucking individuals that have busted their ass for five years. And it takes about five years for an artist to get recognized by an audience, to be honest with you. So those are quite a few of the hurdles that we've encountered. But to be honest with you, the Bay Area is hungry. There's so many hungry artists and there's so many music festivals, community festivals, you know, that are happening that artists are not even looking for record labels anymore they just want their fans to believe in them and a platform where they can perform and get compensated to be honest and i think you have to do shows because no matter how many likes or posts or views you have there's nothing like really meeting the fans in person let me ask you this. I know you work with restaurants, you work with artists, you work with films. Which one's your favorite? Which one do you prefer? Oh, I can't say, but I will tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> Every, you know, 
I, I, I can tell you this. I, I will never give you the full recipe on how to make a donut, but I could give you the sprinkles. Every client that I've worked with on each category is family. And every event I do with each category is memorable. I've done pop-up events at hotels where I give, you know, local authors that release a book, a platform to do private meet and greets with their fan bases, you know? I've done, you know, restaurant events for small restaurants that are coming back after COVID where they were able to get their name on the map and introduce themselves with a full menu and live music, creating more outlets for entertainment for local independent musicians, you know? And I've, I'm currently working on a film festival called Afro Comic Con, which is based in Oakland. And just working on this film festival, being a new mom, I'm a pandemic mother. Like my son was born literally in 2020. Um, it is important for my son to be involved with the community in the arts and seeing the work as a publicist, just doing PR, the work the nonprofit Afro Comic Con is doing for the community offering programs for children in undervalued and underprivileged communities in Oakland. It's something that it's impacting me to the point that I want my family, I want my child to be involved. So each client is different, brings something different to the table. And each client is rewarding too in different aspects. Some I will get a free meal whenever I come by. Some I can bring my family to the show. And some of them, like after Comic-Con, I know that my son will be able to participate as he gets older on the Pixar events because they're they're in partnership with Pixar Studios. So there's like a little bit of everything with each client. Let's go, let's go. Now in the restaurant business, what are some of the challenges you face in promoting and branding a restaurant? Honestly, I will say there's so much competition when it comes to food. Um, and you know, all these bloggers, food bloggers, they go to the hottest spot, you know, take their pictures, their video, but they all want to charge $600 and a full free meal. And restaurants don't have that kind of money after coming back from COVID. Keep in mind, some restaurants are barely coming back because of staffing issues. So I think for us, it was a big hurdle. The fact that I reach out to so many like Bay Area bloggers, which I'm not going to name. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll come for $600 and everything on the menu. And it's like, wow, you're trying to rip off the restaurant that's really coming back, you know? So it was just like all these bloggers. I respect the hustle, but, you know, don't don't screw up a mom and pop's restaurant. You know, like believe in your community. Don't be greedy, you know? And I used to work in Yelp. That was actually my first um, my first tech job when I moved to the city while going to film school. I work in Yelp. I know the hurdles that all these restaurants struggle to to get ads to get a campaign to get paid advertisement you know so for bloggers to take advantage not all of them but for some to take advantage of restaurants it's just very sad and some restaurants are desperate they'll go for it but i told my client we're not going that way i will bring you people trust and believe and yeah i brought people that have never tried pakistani food that were like wow this food is amazing we want to come back i was able to get them you know, a news coverage. And, you know, it just opened the doors for more people that didn't know this place existed to come. So you just gotta maneuver, you know, what we can with our client's budget, but also never oversell your client. Like, I feel like if I would have gone with that blogger, my client wouldn't be happy, you know? 
because he would have lost money, but also he's not going to get anything in return, just a couple likes, you know? So you have to pick who you want to collaborate with or work with when it comes to PR for the great marketing campaign and publicity for whoever you're working with. Mm-hmm. What is it about the Bay Area that just breeds talent and creativity? You know, from fashion to music to just the latest trends, especially in hip hop, what is it about the Bay Area that just, in your opinion? Well, I will say this from the Bay Area, there's so much hunger. Yeah. Not only because it's expensive and everyone's trying balancing two, three jobs while creating their craft, but the Bay Area is a beautiful candy land of art. We have rappers in Oakland and in Berkeley and in San Francisco, some parts of San Francisco, we got jazz. We got, you know, Latino fusion music in San Jose. Like it's just a little bit here, a little bit there, you know? So for me, the Bay Area is filled with hunger, with hungry artists. And a lot of them don't even want to be in record labels anymore because they see how record labels treat artists and whatnot but it's the power of doing community shows. There's so many things going on in the Bay Area. There's concerts at farmer's markets. There's concerts with this organization called Vibes and Smiles. And they do events at high schools and at this place called Birdhouse, which is Filipino owned in Union City. And they open their doors for artists to come and perform. You know, there's a little bit of everything. And I feel like the Bay Area is so undervalued by big companies, by the media, because all you think is tech, uh, hipsters, and crime, you know? And that's not what we represent. There's so much more than the Bay Area. And I wish the narrative of the Bay Area when it comes to the arts will be switched because people here are fucking real. Um, you don't really see people with fake ass and big lips walking around, you know what I mean? Here, everybody is just who they are, even with their music. So I do feel, and from what I've witnessed being here for 10 years, there's so much hunger in the Bay Area. It's just misrepresented and it's misvalued by big corporations. But there's so much beauty within the Bay Area and all of their artists. Oh yeah, to be honest, I mean, that's like Tupac's formative years as a teenager was developed in the Bay. Exactly. See the influence he had in the world, and from E40 to Too Short, uh, man, Matt Drake, everyone who just really put it down in the hip hop scene, um, and also in the Filipino community, um, a bunch of filmmakers. So yeah, there's some, some indie film right now going in um, nationwide called Lupia, created by some filmmakers up north, and um, I, I love it, man. Even the, the turntable, the DJ scene, what Qbert did. And, Invisible scratch pickles for being good up north, which is yeah, changing. Um, let me see now. I know you deal with a lot of artists, and you've dealt with the, you've seen a lot of shows, and you probably thrown on so many events. Um, what makes an artist stand out to you that makes you interested in working with an artist? Like, what is it about them that stands out that makes you pick? Like, all right, I'll work with I'll work with him or her. I see a future in this. You know? <laughs> um, I will say this: the way that they engage with the audience. Mm. That's a big key point for me. I've been to concerts where artists are like, "Okay, thank you, bye," and then they go and smoke and then take off to the next location. I can't work with people like that. If people are 
working two jobs to pay their rent and buy the ticket and get their nails done and go to dinner to come see you, why can't you spend an additional 10-15 minutes to go meet and greet them for free or engage with the audience? You know, I'm big on audience engagement. Um, when I met Tomorrow's June, they were performing at Dia de los Muertos and they engaged the fuck out of the audience and I was like, I want to work with them. Granted, the pandemic happened. But look at us now. We're working together and we're, you know, they're going to be on TV soon. They're doing all these shows. Like, things are happening. Um, yeah. Also, there's other artists that I'm not working with, um, you know, on paper yet. But, you know, due to financial reasons. But if I ever see an opportunity, I'm like, hey, do you want to go there? I can pitch you for this person. You know, you take it from there. You know, it, it's up to you. But I think you belong there. You know, there's this guy from San Leandro I saw him three years ago his name is Casey Cope this kid reminds me of French Kiwi Juice FKJ but you know but the Bay Area edition he's so fucking talented but it's because again the numbers that people don't take them seriously but if you give him a mic that guy will kill it there's just so much talent and a lot of the people that I work with I work with them because they're real they all have a story They all have a drive and a passion, you know? I will never work with someone that's like, oh yeah, well, my dad will pay for this. Just, you know, send me the invoice, my dad, like, no. I want my artists to earn their stripes in the entertainment, and most of them are, you know? So to me, it's all about how they engage with their audience, but the humility, that they're humble, they're not snobs. Because a lot of people, believe it or not, they will become very snobby once they get that verified check mark And once they get that big fat check, you know, and if it wasn't for your fans, for the community, they wouldn't be where they are today. I think people get snobby way before they even get the check. Man, tell me about uh, it. <laughs> um, let me see. Like a lot of things, you know, a lot of things has been happening in the country for the past two years. Um, we lost a lot of people. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of turmoil in the government, so, uh, social justice, our, our relationship with the cops. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of things going on in the United States of America. And I think if you're a creative in this country right now, in my opinion, you do have the responsibility to speak on this. Exactly. If you're not being affected as an artist with what's going on right now, you're tripping. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, um, you know, involvement with social issues is that important to you as, as a PR absolutely especially if my clients say for example represent Black Lives Matters and are involved in any sort of movement it is important to protect them um, when when we had the, the major lockdowns you know where people were you know standing on the bridge uh, bridge closures at the Bay Bridge I wasn't here because I was in Fresno. I was pregnant with my first child, my baby. But a couple of the people that got arrested on the bridge are Bay Area artists, you know? Mm -hmm. And they all got arrested. And a couple of them, they hit me up and they're like, gee, we got arrested. We don't want to hinder our business, our small family-owned business or our, our name. Can you help us out creating a press release? which I did and it was all out of love because I believe what they were standing for I couldn't be part of it because I was like maybe like six months pregnant but if I wasn't expecting and if I wasn't talking trust me and believe me that would have been my first arrest too you know but you know just little things like that like whatever I can help 
or whenever there was an event that was happening, if I could get the media's attention, like, hey, this is happening, this is important, we need coverage, best believe I will put all my efforts to ensure that we get coverage representing the movement, but also protecting everybody. Because what we went through 2020, it was huge. You know, with the movement of Black Lives Matters and with the daily protest walks at Lake Merritt, you know? Lake Merritt in Oakland is known for the Mecca, the birthplace of the Black Panthers. So there was a lot of movement with a lot of local Bay Area artists, like rappers, you know, activists, poets, filmmakers. They were all there and a lot of them got arrested, you know? So if it was Hollywood, it would have been a scandal on TMZ. But because it's their community, you know, they don't care. But us as PR, us as a community, we got to do what we can to protect our brand, but still stick to the values of our clients, of our friends, of our community. Facts. Now, you know, throughout the years, I've gotten a chance to do a show in Oakland. I've gotten a chance to do a show in San Francisco and San Francisco. And every time I did a show up north, it was always fun. It was super fun. It was nothing but love. It was nothing but love, you know, and um, nothing but generous artists willing to share resources. And it was, every time I went to the Bay, it was always super fun. Yeah. And um, I was inspired too. I, I love Santa Cruz. I love Monterey. And, um, you know, as, as far as the music industry, like the death of the record label, and what I mean is, you know, we, we, we really don't need them. You know, anybody that got an email can put out your own music video. And yeah. anybody that got some money can put out your own digital release on, on all digital platforms. Exactly. I think independent is the way to go 2022 moving forward. Exactly. Pretty, pretty soon, we may not even need a label. Um, Honestly, I feel like labels nowadays, and I and I don't mean to bash the local label that I've, that I've been friends with, but I feel like labels are just a status quo to say, oh, I work, I'm, I'm represented by so-and-so. But in reality, it's like, well, where's your representation? Why aren't you booking shows? Why aren't you on the billboards? No shade. You know what I mean? So just like little things like that. Like, I do believe that in the next five years, we're not going to need a record label because there's hunger. But then be- behind a hungry artist, there's a team of people that believe in them to elevate them, to take them to the next level in their career. And I also think technology can help us. It, mm-hmm. it, can also, it can also hurt us. Yeah. And what I mean is, you know, there's no more real gatekeepers of this culture. And anybody that got some internet access, you can put it out yourself. Now, as a PR and as a publicist, with everyone being, and this can get really cluttered, what's, what's still going to make an artist stand out? with branding and marketing you know because there's there's a lot there's a lot to choose from you know absolutely it's like a pool of fish yeah what's your thoughts on like what are you going to do some pr to make them stand out a little bit from my experience and you know just with the evolution of social media instead of making pictures now you got to make reels to get more momentum stuff like that you know right i feel like an artist sticking to their brand but also embracing the community. I think mm-hmm. what makes you stand out as an artist, you could be a DJ, you could be a card reader, you could be a poet. What makes you stand out as an artist is how you engage with your community and give back. 
you could give back by maybe doing a little book drive who knows like perfect example for me i recently moved to the east bay you know and i was minding my own business walking around downtown and then i saw a flyer about may day and may day is hawaiian you know lay day um i reached out to the community i was like hey i am new here i'm a publicist i would like to be part of whatever resources i can guess what two weeks later I was able to organize, help bring three different artists. We brought Tanel, we brought Thrive, we brought local elements, you know, big talent. I ended up becoming not only the publicist, but the stage manager, managing the talent. And I did this free for the community because I believe in, you know, in the Hawaiian community, in my Filipino community too. And it was such a beautiful event where we all embrace each other in the downtown city that I live in to the point that everybody was like very thankful and I got opportunities coming from that. And the person in charge, they didn't know nothing about technology. They didn't even know how to run social media. I I took over and just by creating an attractive brand, maintaining the brand, doing an outreach, you, you know, just doing all the marketing essentials, but elevating them, we were able to get funding. We were able to get 10,000 people in one day in that little downtown so it's just the power of your community and embracing it too and and being there for them because if you don't have your community backing you up it doesn't matter how many hot pictures you take how many reels how many products or new you know outfits you get you won't get those likes you won't get that community to embrace you as an artist and even if you don't embrace you as an artist i think it's just good to come out to the community and help and for example, even if you do a show, man, you better shake hands with everybody that was standing there, you know, and try to remember who, try to remember who clapped. Try exactly. To who, try to remember who clapped for you, who bought a ticket, you know, just, you gotta just be approachable and you gotta just respond back, you know? Exactly, not burn bridges. Like that May Day event, I did it from the bottom of my heart to help the community. And I didn't know I was shaking hands with, um, Jordan T's manager I didn't know and then boom next thing you know we're here working together as a family so you know just little things like that like you never know who you're going to come across is going to see you hustling embracing the community doing what you have to do and honestly all I can tell artists is always acknowledge your community your fans because if it wasn't for you you wouldn't be where you're at today or where you're going to go later and people are looking for some music, you know. People are always looking for new um, You know, 2022 is almost done. I know. You know like, <laughs> maybe, maybe three more months, four more months, and that's a wrap. Wow. What's, what's some of your goals for, that you're trying to accomplish for, for the rest of this year? Well, definitely not getting COVID. Um, we got it. <laughs> we got it in April, and it was horrible. We got it right after 420. My, my man was working um, an event in San Francisco and I think he carried it and we were both knocked out and it literally like backed us up. Like, it was horrible. But I will say staying healthy and yeah. you know my clients, some of them are being brought to light with publications or podcasts with new music coming out. Like two days ago we did a photo shoot for one of my artists who's releasing new music soon. We have a couple shows and 
I don't want my artists to get signed by record labels. I want record labels to be knocking on their door saying, hey, we want to work with you. But it's up to my artists, you know, because they're 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 getting there. They're getting where they have to be. So I think definitely health and for everybody that I work with to elevate as an artist, you know, yeah, like you said, the year is almost over. But for artists, the year begins during fall, you know, fall is when they start getting really busy with shows, you know, with similar stuff like that. So any film festival circuit too, the film festival circuit gets very busy during fall. So definitely more productivity and more success. I love it. Um, you know, one of the most interesting things, and I thought that was sweet when um, I was listening to your other podcast interview. I think the interview you, he, the interviewer asked you something like, "What's one of your main roles that you can?" Because I know you juggle a lot of hats, and I think the one that you said the, mo- the most important role to you is a mother, being a mom. Yeah. And, I want to ask, how do you balance being a mom and handling <laughs> Man, I don't even know how I do it. That's why I'm so glad this interview is not on FaceTime because I have a messy bun. <laughs> but um, honestly, it's it's a beautiful struggle. Um, yeah. Obviously, I manage my mommy time and my work time. I work from home. My son's at home with me. So whenever I have calls, it's during meal time or nap time you know um but yeah it's it's a challenge there's times i'm not gonna lie that i'm with my family and if i get an email or a call from a client i have to be like hey give me five minutes i'm changing a diaper everybody understands you know because i am a mom i do have a toddler but it is uh it is a beautiful struggle it is a beautiful journey and honestly I feel like being a mom has pushed me 10 times more to be successful with everything that I do for my clients, for my brand, for my child. But also every artist, everybody that I work with knows I'm a mom. I embrace it. I let them know, hey, I'm a mom. I might not answer the phone at X, Y, and Z time because of this, you know? And if I have to step out for the day, I will let them know. But as a publicist, you are on call 24 seven. You know, the news breaks. It's like, okay, gotta go, you know? So definitely, um, it is a beautiful journey. Um, it's like Jordan T said, it's beautiful but exhausting. And I can say it is beautiful and exhausting. But honestly, um, I feel like me being a mom is empowering to push forward to go harder as a publicist. Not just because I have a child, but I want my son to see my worth values. So he can say, my mom worked with that artist. My mommy got them there. I want to be like my mom. You know, and I think he's going to be a musician on the low because he picks up the guitar every day. But, you know, just embracing that. And I think, you know, to all my working moms, it's not easy, especially when we're working from home. But it's it, it creates patience and a hunger. I was hungry before. I'm hungrier now. You know, and that's that's the beauty of it all. I love it. Um, what what is like? Where do you see yourself in ten years? What was, uh, like, what's your what's your long term goal for your business? Well, in ten years, I will even be personally. forty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even personally, where yeah. do you see yourself personally in ten years? You know, I say in ten years, I would love to be featured in Forbes. Just because I started doing PR out of um, passion, 
not just for me, but one of my sisters passed away tragically. And she and I had the goal to go to Sundance together. And she passed away um, in a tragic matter. And I created the press release and sent it to the news. This is right before I even started my company, you know, like the year before that inspired me to do it. And long story short, we got Starbucks to cover all the legal fees and funeral fees because she was on her way to work to Starbucks. The power of a great press release and, you know, and media presence. And it changed a lot. Um, it opened it opened the key to a lot of DACA students that were undocumented too, which is a whole different topic. But I think for me, I will love to keep my sister's dream alive in my company by creating an outlet or some sort of resource for DACA students, undocumented students that are pursuing PR communications. You know, if I could partner with a company one day and offer scholarships, I would love to do that, you know, in her honor. That's one of my ultimate goals as a publicist, you know, on from my brand and be featured in Forbes. And of course, you know, other publications will be amazing just to acknowledge where I come from and the, the drive, but also um, my artists to thrive in, in everything that they desire. And when I grew up in Mexicali, El Central border, um, you know, you're crossing the border, you see a lot of, a lot of sad shit. You see kids that are being, you know, left on the border while their parents paid the coyote that's what they call it the coyote the person that, that brings them to america thousands of dollars and they just abandon them there on the border a lot of those kids get trafficked a lot of them end up being in gangs you know you know it's just a horrible scene to be a kid and cross the border in your car and see hunger see crime see children your age crying for mercy and help so my ultimate goal in 10 years will be to open a shelter and create resources in Mexicali to help those that are stuck on the border that can come to America. And some of those resources not only be like rehabilitation, but also the arts. If there's kids that want to pursue arts, like filmmaking, making music, hey, we got those resources. Good job. The youth needs that in Southern Cali. Exactly. Especially the, the, the youth that are trying to come to America and they get stranded and they, they don't have the family. They have nobody. Like you literally came to a new country and you're being left there. It's such a horrible thing to witness. And um, just seeing that, and I saw it a couple months ago when I went to Mexico, I was like, man, I really want to push forward. So one day I can come back to Mexicali and open that shelter that needs to be there. So that will be like my ultimate goal in 10 years. I love it. Now, last but not the least, before we, before we end the interview, I felt like this is a perfect segue. Hopefully that I can get this next episode done. Tell me about your artist, Little Jordan. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me about um, how did you come to work with him? How did you meet him? And what is it about his music that, that you think deserves to be heard and has, you know, purpose? Oh, absolutely. So it's funny. Um, there is a, a group of sisters called Amelia Nadina, which you probably will see on social media or on my platform. They're teen journalists. They're also beautiful Filipino young ladies. And, you know, I, I love those girls. They're going to go far in life. But, you know, their dad invited me to spend the day with them. You know, like just kind of behind the scenes to see what they do. Because these girls are out all over the Bay doing interviews with all kinds of artists supporting the art, you know. So I thought, okay, why not? I'll come through. 
So we got in the car, we went to Selena's, and there was a concert that Jordan T was going to be performing, and Lil Jordan was there. So I got to hang out with them, and, you know, while talking to, you know, Jordan T's manager, James, you know, we're just talking about life and everything, I met Lil Jordan's dad, who is a cool, cool guy. Not only is he cool, but it's just like, he believes in his kids. Not a lot of parents believe in their kids. A lot of parents are like, ah, oh, yeah, check it out if you like it or not. This guy literally pitched his son like he was pitching his son to TMZ, to the news outlet. You know, he believes in his son and that's a beautiful thing. So while I was talking to his dad, I got to learn that Lil Jordan was a child star. Kind of like Lil Romeo grew up in the spotlight. Yeah. He did golf, celebrity golf tournaments with like Snoop Dogg, Tiger Woods, the whole shebang. But he also did music, even with Mr. Fab. So he was like the Filipino Leo Romeo, if you may, you know? And I love that because I, I got to see some of his videos and I was like, holy shit, he was the Filipino kind of Leo Romeo. I like that. And, you know, just seeing his music videos as he was a kid, he's evolved now. He's, you know, a grown man with a child. He went to college, you know. He's an educated man and it's he just didn't get consumed by Hollywood. But his music also has a message, you know, and... He is dropping an album, I believe, um, next week. And it's funny because we were talking about the name of the album. I'm like, what is it that you like to do? Music. Okay, then you're in your element. And that's what it came to, in my element, you know? And the music touches base on his culture, in his element. He is a new dad. He's still pursuing entertainment. But he's pursuing entertainment in the industry that he wants to be a role model for the community. Because he was one when he was younger, you know, he was famous. And even though he took some time off, you know, to go to college and everything, he's coming back. He wants to be that example for the Filipino boy that wants to be seen, that wants to do the same as he does. So I like his music. I be rocking, um, what is the song? My, My Treasure, which is out now. And I mean, he's he's even open for uh, Joe Coy, Java Walking. <laughs> So he's, he's some big stuff. He's definitely, he's like the comeback kid. That's how I see him. So, I mean, I would love to hear his story, you know, on on a segment, you know, with you. But he has, he's really talented. And I think he's someone that we should be on the lookout, you know. And his daughter and my son are the same age. So we do little play dates together when we have PR days. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Gardenia, I, I really appreciate you so much for doing this. Of course, my pleasure, man. And um, as soon as we get off this, I'm going to hit you back on the text, all right? Let me, let me <laughs> Sounds Go. good, man. Well, you have a great night, and thank you for doing this. And, you know, thank you also for embracing your culture and highlighting artists within the culture. I think we need more representation. I might not be Filipino, my man is Filipino, but let me tell you, I be eating that um that beef longanisa because I'm allergic to pork. So I'll be eating beef longanisa with my eggs and my white rice. <laughs> I love it. Yo, we gotta I'm gonna hit you up right now and thank you so much for doing this. And for all those tuning in, like to all the artists out there, man, if you if if you really wanna do this. My only advice for you is keep working on your craft and that should be the main focus and on the mental health tip if it makes you happy you definitely gotta do it exactly amen to that so Gardenia thank you so much for everything you do to all my folks in the day little Jordan what up 
Shout out to all y'all on the podcast. We did it. Peace, peace. Thank you. Have a good night, y'all. Remember to stay creative and humble. No doubt. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye.